and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we explore legends and canon, comics, and far, far beyond. I am Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk, and I will go ahead and turn it over to Chad. This is your reminder that this is a book club, not a review show. Uh, we will be talking as if you have read the material or don't care about spoilers. In addition, we may or may not be discussing anything Star Wars up to and including the most recent season of Clone Wars. So uh, this is uh, this has been your spoiler warning. Uh, Ryan, has anything happened since last we talked? Uh, we I, I, I know I know something that affects us that we're not real happy about. Yeah, there's been a couple of things. Um one, just a quick one, I couldn't remember if we had talked about this last time, but Timothy Oliphant has been cast on The Mandalorian. Um, I don't think that was out before the yeah, last time we talked. I think it was right after, and it's yeah. it's pretty much confirmed that he's going to be playing Cobb Vant. Um, usually, you know, we don't shy away from spoilers, but I don't think I'm going to go into who Cobb Vanth is because – it really will give out some major plot stuff for the second season if it is who it is. So if you want to look it up, look it up. But uh, I think he would, he's going to make a really good cop Vanth and it makes me more interested for the Mandalorian kind of seeing and how they're going. The Mandalorian definitely got sexier. Yeah. <laughs> definitely got sexier. Oh, I got Twitter painted when I heard it was uh, Oliphant. <laughs> and our Oliphant. Second piece of news is sad news. The Higher Public Initiative has been delayed. Um, originally, it was scheduled to come out in, was it October, September? One of those. Um, but it's now been delayed to January. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're saying by, you know, just because of the markets and all that. Uh, and while it sucks that they're delaying it, I, I don't hate it just because – you know, Zahn's book already got moved. The Thrawn Ascendancy already got moved that month anyway. Um, so there's not like there's not going to be content during that month. So it might allow him a little more chance to breathe and separate those books out a little bit. But it always sucks when something big like that gets delayed. I, I'm I mean, going to be honest. I was looking far more forward to the High Republic stuff than I was another Timothy Zahn book. Not that I don't want to read it or won't read it, but after the last two Zon books, uh, I was looking for something different. You're, you're going to have to read it, just so you know. Um, well, I know. I, I'm planning on reading it, but <laughs> yeah, I was I more excited about High Republic. I mean, listen, everybody, pretty much all culture has taken the year off. So Star yeah. Wars has taken the year off, too. You know, I mean, we can get all this casting news about The Mandalorian, but nobody's shooting anything. Yet. Right. You know, so like every 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 movie deal you see being announced, the reason we're seeing so many movie deals and so many projects getting announced is because there's nothing else to do in Hollywood. Right. Because they can't actually make the things. So everybody's signing deals and writing scripts and signing people for this, signing people this with no idea when they're going to get into production. So just remember, maybe a quarter of the things you hear about are actually going to come to pass. And, they're you know, it's, it's just we just don't know. So, you know, everybody's taking the year off to deal with other issues. And um, uh, so, you know, we'll get it next year and it'll it'll be it'll be great. They'll have more time to tinker and to make it work. And, and it's actually High Republic is kind of a good transition into what we're talking about today. Yeah. I mean, High Republic is kind of the is kind of the I don't know, the successor to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, today we're talking about 
Shadows of the Empire, the non-movie movie event. The one where Luke gets a vest. <laughs> where Luke gets a vest. He gets a big boy vest. Um to show that uh, and uh and and the what would we what would we call shadows of the empire a media initiative a media barrage i mean they've always called it I mean, lucasfilm called it basically a movie release without a movie um yeah. and the book is supposed to serve as the movie right i mean so what are we talking about this was 1996 so before we get into shadows of the empire Let's go back to the 90s. And um, Ryan, where where were you in your Star Wars fandom in the 90s? I mean, I think most people out there around know that 90s was a it was a dark time for Star Wars. Um, after you know droids and all the Ewok stuff had done poorly. I mean, shut your mouth about the Ewoks. Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, the Caravan of Courage. Uh, you know, it really pulled out. Um, of popular culture for a little while, you know, 91 when the EU more or less officially starts. Yeah, that was there, but for the general public, star Wars is on the back burner. Um, yeah, it seeded into the realm of geekdom, right? It, 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 it had, it had gone the way of doctor who and, and comic books at the time, you know, it, it became something that like, you only really paid attention to anymore if you were a real kind of like Star Wars nerd. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't my dad going to see Star Wars in the theater. It was right. a dirty thing. But but like you said, 91 was Heir to the Empire, right? And then 92 was um, uh, Dark Empire Yep. in uh, Dark Horse Comics, right? That it kind of kind of jump-started. See, I don't think of the 90s as that dark of a period because that's when the expanded universe really got moving. Yeah, it's – I think for the hardcore fans, you know, like the ones that read the books like us, it, it was great. You know, finally things were getting bigger. The universe was getting bigger and all that. But, you know, for like my parents, as far as they're concerned, Star Wars is over. Yes. Um, now, I will say it was kept alive somewhat too because the Super Star Wars games were coming out on the SC, the Super Nintendo, um, and those Damn did Jawas. well. Damn Jawas. No kidding. <laughs> and then the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games were being released on the computer, um, but it looked kind of like, you know, that's what Star Wars was going to be for then. Uh, however, you know, we all know George Lucas and he's going to get that money. <laughs> and so in 94 is kind of when the plotting of Star Wars coming back starts. Um, you see the next year, the power of the force toys come back. And oh, was that that was that was 95. Yep. Okay. And during okay. that 94 year is when they start planning Shadows of the Empire. Now, what they have said Shadows of the Empire really is, is a test run for the special editions. They know the special editions are coming out, and Lucasfilm basically said they had to get all their cross-promotional things up and running, tie it all together. So tie soundtracks with toys, with merch, and blah, 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 and get everything back in sync. And so Shadows of the Empire essentially is just that test run. Um so it was them. It was them practicing to launch a movie without spending the money on making a movie. Pretty much. Uh, that um, makes, that's interesting. 
And to get it back in the eye too. That's another thing they've said is that it was a it was a big media push of a new Star Wars product to get people thinking about Star Wars again before those special editions come out. Um, and boy, is it nineties as hell, Lord. <laughs> we'll get into it. It um, is. You can see all the all the pouches on the um, mm-hmm. Dash Rengar's Todd McFarlane costume. All right, sorry, Rob Liefeld costume. Um, Beth, last time we talked, you said you didn't know anything about of Shadows of the Empire. Would you like to revise that? <laughs> so I um, got the book and I purchased a used copy of the game, the original game, because I still have an N64. And so as soon as I started reading the book, I went, these names all sound super familiar. And I get further and further into the book and I go, oh, yeah, I read this book. I didn't remember a thing about it. Not one damn thing. You didn't remember how rapey it is? Uh, No. I feel like I should, but I didn't because there were times where I was rereading it going, what is in the hell, there is no way this would get made now. Yeah. Or, yeah. or if it did, it would go differently for the bad guy. And it's not as bad as it was supposed to be. That's the crazy thing. Is no, that, we'll get into that. The studio yeah. asked something real gross. Yeah. So with yeah. the uh, with the game, I didn't get very far into the game because a it arrived on my birthday and I had a social distancing birthday party. And and then when I finally dug out my N64, Goldeneye was sitting in it. And, When's the last time a game other than Goldeneye was in your N64? Uh, when I played the Ocarina of Time last. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And then I get to the Water Temple and I say, screw it, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I know, I hate that thing. But, you know, Goldeneye is sitting there, so I'm like, well, you know, it is my birthday, and, you know, I could just... Or birthday weekend at that point still. So I'm like, you know, I could just sit here and kill some meat sims and see if I can still get the most deadly achievement. And, and I kind of got away. Do you get to play his odd job on your birthday? No, I never had to play his odd job. <laughs> I play as Zenya, and I always have. The only time anybody's ever allowed to play odd job is it's the only way that Terry will play with me. <laughs> because it's the only way I don't kill him almost instantly. See, anyway, I, the Golden I, I got Goldeneye, but I just want you to know, whenever I think of Goldeneye, I am instantly transported to your apartment. <laughs> that's the only thing that comes to my brain. I don't know it's, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, or no, I'm just saying, like, I, as soon as I hear the word Goldeneye, I don't think about the movie. I don't think about anything. I think about sitting on the floor in your apartment getting getting slaughtered. Because I'm not very good at it. It's not my fault. I'm the most deadly. You're anyway, I, I enjoyed playing gun. it again, and I I eventually went, oh, shit, I should play this game for a minute. And I put it in, and I, you know, you're doing the Hoth part, and you're doing the annoying tying up the Adat's legs that I hate that every game has you do. And once I get to the Echo Base part with the Wampas, I went, I remember this game now. <laughs> And why are there so many wampas? And why are they so hard to kill? And why am I playing this game again? <laughs> so, well, I never ever read the comics. I can definitely say that for certain. But 
I, I revised my initial statement of last time that, yes, I did, in fact, read this book and play this game and just blocked it all out of my head for some reason. I'm glad, we, that, cleared, I'm glad we cleared that up. That seems <laughs> to be the general consensus of the Star Wars community, too. Like, a lot of people have read it and a lot of people play the games and stuff, and nobody talks about it anymore. <laughs> and it just kind of was forgotten. This big thing yeah. happened, and then we all just moved on. <laughs> And that's there one of the reasons. Better stuff. There was, but that's the, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this because this is a, and we're gonna, I'm gonna get into the book in just a second. This is an experiment that I loved. I loved everything about it, except for the story and the execution. <sighs> but the idea, that the the overall concept, I wish we would get more of this kind of big event, this big story. And I've argued for a long time, and, and, and maybe we'll talk a little bit at the end, that because this came from Lucasfilm, because this was meant to be, like you said, a movie you know, 5.5, that uh, it should be considered canon, even in the new Disney world. But yeah, I think we'll get to it. I don't think that's possible anymore. But yeah. um, having reread it, I don't think it's possible. So for people who may be a little bit in the dark, Shadows of the Empire, of course, came out in 1996. It was a huge endeavor. It had a book. It had a soundtrack. It had a video game. It had a line of toys. It had two comic books that came out. It was everything you wanted with a giant movie tie in without the movie. So what we're going to I'm going to I'm going to what I'm what I'd like to do is give a little rundown of the novel. We're going to talk about the novel because uh, the novel is the equivalent of the movie. Right. There's no movie. So we have the novel. That's the flagship. That's the, the main story. And then afterwards, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other stuff. So um, set in set in the time between the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, Shadows of the Empire follows our non-frozen heroes, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Lando, and a little bit of Wedge, as they attempt to rescue the smuggler Han Solo from the bounty hunter Boba Fett, who is having a devil of a time getting to Tatooine. Meanwhile, the Dark Prince Shizor? Right? Shizor? Shizor. Uh, Shizor. The Dark Prince Shizor, head of the Black Sun criminal or- criminal organization, has put out a bounty on Luke Skywalker in, or- in order to foil the plans of his number one rival, Darth Vader. Along the way, we meet a not-not-like-Han not smuggler named Dash Rangar, who flies a ship that is not-not-like-the-Falcon, uh, a beautiful Terminator named Guri, and, and, and some dude named Jix. Uh, Luke makes his green lightsaber and takes a nostalgic ride through Beggar's Canyon. Don't worry, no womp rats were harmed. Leia finds out what a thermal detonator is and almost gets seduced by a lizard man. And Chewie gets an unfortunate haircut. And of course, all these paths lead us to where we knew we were going all along, the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Many Bothans died to bring you this summary. So it's it's a very it's a very it's a very simple story. So I guess my first question is, if you had a time machine, would you go back and make this a movie with the original cast? Would you like to see the original cast in this movie? Should have this been a movie? No. No? You don't think so? I mean, it's – like you said, there's not much story to it. What story there is is kind of crappy, um, and it's just – it's really not necessary. You know, it's one of those things where like, yeah, a lot of stuff happens. He makes his lightsaber and um, does this and that. But I mean, I would think the the really the only I think part that comes out of this is it showing Luke kind of becoming more of the Jedi Knight versus just training. But other than that, does anybody really 
progress at all? Uh, Well, okay. So I did like the fact that you got some more story around Lando rather than it just leaves off with Empire and all of a sudden they trust him enough to let him in on their super secret let's all save Han plans in Jedi. Uh I mean, it wasn't a lot, but at least it showed him working with them. I liked Lando being in it. I liked yeah. that he was a part of it. Yeah. And I'll say, as, as much as the rest of the book is not written the best, Lando is written really well, I think. Yeah. Uh, more yeah. than the other ones. Yeah, some, one, yeah my biggest, biggest problem with the book was that the voices are wrong. Like, a lot of the things the character, that come out of the characters' mouths in the book I just don't see ever coming out of those characters' mouths. Luke doesn't say, here's the deal. (laughs) That that just instantly bugged me. I was like, wait, what? And we should should go ahead and say it, by the way. This is written by a man named Steve Perry. Um, Sometimes we're a little loose on mentioning the authors, oddly enough. Um, (laughs) Famous Steve Perry. And uh, I believe he was a television writer. He wrote some for Batman the Animated Series, I think I saw. Uh Yeah, Um, he... he wrote for that, and he wrote for Gargoyles. And I don't know if y'all have seen – do you know how he got this book? No. It is payback for him yeah. agreeing to write the novelization of The Mask. Ooh. For free. He did it for free. Yeah, for free. Now, I will say, for all his faults, and like we said – I almost I most, I almost, just said smoking. Go ahead. <laughs> he oh, kept God. some stuff out of this book that they wanted, thank God. Um. Yeah. So going back to Luke, I mean, my weirdest thing with Luke is in the whole book is it just makes no sense that, I mean, pretty much right when this book picks up is not long after Empire. You've just found out Darth Vader is your father. That is not addressed basically at all. Like he doesn't struggle with it. He (laughs) thinks about it for like a minute. (laughs) Yep. I will. The, the only thing I'll say in that defense is Luke still doesn't know if it's true. Like you know, because he asks Yoda in Return of the Jedi, Luke is still holding on to the fact that it. I mean, he's still reeling and he's still holding on to the fact that it might not be true. Yeah. Um, just like we were. But I agree with you. It doesn't seem to weigh on him that much. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um. It, it seems that he. What this book tries to do. Uh, in, in, in a fairly, I'd say, ham-handed way, is try to like set up a whole bunch of stuff in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. We have, we we have, you know what? Let's give the definitive origin on how Leia gets her Bausch costume. Let's give the definitive because origin. That was really bugging me. And Jedi was, how did she get that outfit? Absolutely. Um, it was, uh, it was, you know, how did? For some reason, we had to see how Leia learned what a thermal detonator was. Which makes no damn sense. No, I just accepted that there's a, she's got a thermal detonator. Oh, crap. It's a piece of military hardware. Yeah. Uh, we had to learn. Now, the one thing I was excited about, theoretically, was learning about the Bothan mission to get the plans for the second Death Star. To get the information from the second Death Star with the, the many Bothans died line from Return of the Jedi always being a pretty, pretty provocative line. Yeah. But it was kind of lackluster, right? Yeah. It was still kind of lackluster. Yeah. They're just super spies. That's all you really need to know. And they, yeah, and in this, they, they they died trying to steal a computer. It's like it's it's very like it, it's interesting to me because they 
they they they wanted to just oh and the other thing of course is being Luke's lightsaber. Yeah. Um, is the other thing that uh, they wanted to show Luke constructing his lightsaber, which a lot of people know, of course, was a deleted scene mm-hmm. from from the that was how Return of the Jedi was supposed to open, was Luke in Ben's hut building his lightsaber. So I appreciated that it was kind of a shout out to that idea. I don't um, understand how he made a kyber crystal. Because they aren't kyber crystals then. Not in the expanded universe, they weren't kyber crystals. Oh, okay. You bake them in like a jewelry. Yeah, it was so a focus he had a on kill. That. Pretty yeah, much. Gem. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was before Kyber Crystals. It was before Kyber Crystals, um, so you could do that. And to be fair, I mean, in the movie, originally Lucas had him building his lightsaber in Ben's hut. So, I mean, this this mystical journey to a cave to get your crystal that s- speaks out to you and it turns to color, that's brand new stuff. <laughs> you know? That's I all just, fairly recent it's, stuff. It gets, it gets all lost in my head, keeping the oh. old universe and the new universe and... No, I understand. That's one of my favorite things about reading these EU books, though, is I get this wash of nostalgia for that other universe. Yeah, hey, um, at one point they used the word "fem friend," and I'd forgotten about that one. And I was like, "Oh God, I hated how they used to call things." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so right off the gate, I had my my big problem. One of my big problems is um, how long does it take Boba Fett to get to Tatooine? Like he's, he's got him in carbonite, you know, he can go see sites and do other stuff. They covered so, it in the comic. I know they covered the comic. I know they covered the comic and, and we'll get to it. It just seems it seems really funny to hinge a story on. But I think what they're trying to do is make sense of the fact that okay, because one question I wanted to ask you guys is how long do you think this book takes place over? Like, is this is this the entire time between Empire and Jedi, according oh, I hope to the so. EU? <laughs> or is this part of it? Because it doesn't feel like it takes that long, even though before this, the canon was always that uh, it was only a year. It was a full year between the stories. I caught a few times in this book, and they were making a big deal of it, but that weeks went by sometimes. Like right. all of a sudden it would be like, yeah, and then the next week. And I was like, wait, what? Where is everybody else? Um, I mean, I got the feeling this book takes place over a couple of months. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like a fairly – it just felt short. Um, it, it just felt like a, a pretty – yes, it, it, I do. I did notice that, that it, it did that. But it also it, – I don't know. It just feels like – because now, granted, at the very end, they're going in to rescue Han in, in Jedi. And there's there's room there at the end for some time to have elapsed, of course. But it because it's a prologue, but it still feels like it still feels like there had to be more going on <laughs> in this time period than just this. Um, the big thing, and I brought up earlier, but the big thing, of course, the most important thing we have to talk about is Jix. No, um, the most important thing we have to talk about, of course, is, is the create is um. So one character that is of course missing from this story is uh, Mr. Han Solo, and. Uh, so in order to make up for that, Beth, what did they do? Uh, they created Dash Rendar, who is exactly the same as Han Solo. <laughs> exactly the same. He even calls Leia sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much the same. It's the same. <laughs> like, like Steve Perry just watched the movies and went, yeah, that'll work. That's fine. I got to keep it moving. I'd like Except, to, I'd like, 
I would like for us to be a little easy on Steve Perry because this was corporatized to within an inch of its life. Yeah. This was noted by the people above. I, I don't think we can lay any blame on Steve Perry's door because he was just working as hard as he could to do whatever they told him. Yeah. I kept feeling like they were going to make Dash like a comparison to Han. Like here is who Han would be without having a heart basically or without yeah without um but but what it ends up being though is he has the same experience with han yep. Han it's <laughs> the rebels and he gets involved with them yeah then he throws he that does away. have a heart yeah 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 you i, mean, know, I think that's more interesting if he didn't help him in the end if in the end he was just like yep screw y'all i'm going to get more money and like, then left he was like, I mentioned like dj and last jedi where he's just like i'm out sorry guys yep. you know like i'm out i got paid uh i mean i liked i liked the moment where he's He's taking him into uh, oh to try to capture Boba Fett, and then he gets him there and he's like, okay, dudes, peace. Yeah. And he just leaves. Yeah. And Lando's like, what are you? He's like, you didn't pay me to fight, you know? Like, I, I mean, I like the idea of winding more, but again, it's very Han where he's like, I'm not doing anything unless you pay me for it, you know? And um, and so I like that. But you're right, he kind of it's not as deep as Han's arc, but it's it's much more shallow. But he does kind of just follow along the same Han Solo arc. Um, you know, his ship is cool. I love the Outrider. Um, yes. the, YT, the YT 2400 cruiser. I'm a big fan of the YT 2400. And, uh, and I really like it, but he, he just, uh, I think I read somewhere online where he's, he's functional. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's fine. Serves a, he serves a place in the story, but he is not memorable. And there's a reason why he never really came back. Like, Think about all of the side characters and little characters throughout the years and these hundred books that they wrote and all these comics. He's a character that never really came back. Like oh, they never used him. To? No, that's what, that's what I'm saying is he, he's not dead. He's in Disney to. canon. Yeah, he is in Disney canon. He's been mentioned. But yep. however, but and I don't mind that if someone wants to take another run at the character, that's fine. But the the idea that like where where little Jedi that were like minor characters in books eventually got their own books and all this stuff and and they built this huge world and yet Dash Rengar who was on the the posters and who had his own who's the star of the video game <laughs> and who star of the comics all this stuff never came back they never brought him back I always found that weird that they didn't mine that territory even Sindel from the Ewok Adventures came back in a book for mm-hmm. like one scene. But they couldn't do it. And the other main character, I guess there's two more big new characters we get in this book. Uh, but we get Prince Skizor. The now this now one thing that this book did introduce is the idea of the Black Sun. Mm. That was in this book, and uh, the idea that this guy was a legitimate businessman, but also the head of the biggest crime syndicate in the galaxy. Um. Uh, so Beth, being so, have, so, having never read this before, Beth. Um. Uh, did you, uh, what was your opinion of Prince, the Dark Prince? Uh, okay, so, I, this was also our first introduction to a Feline, I believe. It is. Yes. Okay. Great, great so, well. you know, way to make up a whole race that has the ability to date rape whoever they want. I, I guess we should give a little bit of a warning on this. Uh, we're not going to get graphic or anything. No. But some, there are some unsettling 
overtones and undertones yeah. in in this in this in certain storylines in this book. It's it's called seduction in the book, but it's not seduction. He makes Leia real horny. Uh-huh. <laughs> And yeah. it's, it's very uncomfortable to read. And I, I am pretty open minded and and, in you know, I don't mind violence and graphic content in any way, shape or form. But it's just ugh, the way it's done. It just it's creepy, just gross. Um, you know, sure, I like getting to know the Black Sun because obviously we hear all about them now. So seeing their origins is cool and who runs them. But. Also, besides just being skis or the skis, <laughs> it's true. Uh, his name pretty works pretty well. How does this like, guy, whose magic pheromone powers is pretty much all he's got, plus you know the might of the Black Sun, but is that really enough that he really honestly thinks that he can take down Darth Vader and Sheev? Well, you're missing you're missing his very power. His most important superpowers is ego. Eh. Um. He's very self-confident in that. He's also very strong. There was one passage that like described his physical body that was a little uncomfortable as well um, about how yeah. into it, about how strong and fit he was. Yeah, he thinks a lot about his body, yeah. and he thinks a lot about having sex with Leia <laughs> and lots of other people. I mean, he's kind of a he's he's not a bro. I wouldn't call him a bro. No. No, he's a, he's a Weinstein. I don't know, but he <laughs> uh, he is a he's an interesting character um, for people who spot him. Ryan, didn't he show up on Clone Wars? Kinda. Uh, so it's not him. It's, oh, it's one not. of the falling though. Yeah, it was Mach who showed up earlier. Okay. Um, people thought it was him at first. Uh, right. He, I'm trying to think. I know he has been mentioned. I think in New Canon. But I don't think we've actually seen him yet. Um, There's just so many problems with him. (laughs) Like, it's hard to even know where to start. He, one, is based on, and then they've talked about this, an Asian kind of racist stereotype, which doesn't come across in the book quite as much. No, it doesn't. Show did and all the marketing and pictures and everything. Yeah, um, in the book you never really get that sense. Um, unlike yeah. certain, uh, unlike certain aliens in the Phantom Menace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and he's based on he's actually based on concept art for Bib Fortuna, um, that claw and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I, you know, I. I think one of the things that made me laugh the hardest, and one thing we've talked about, Chad, with your Rocky Four podcast that's coming soon. Someday, you know, someday. One of the episodes is, did Polly fuck that robot? Prince Chief would oh, definitely oh, fuck that robot. Oh, no. <laughs> like, it, it, the book says he does. The book yeah. pretty much says he does. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. God. And it's so it's much about it. like him taking a bath and like – it was much worse than I remembered when I read it back then. Like, I remember him being a creep, but it was so much more. And I'm like reading it, and I thought about, like, all right, well, he's supposed to be the bad guy. This establishes him as scummy, and you're not supposed to like him at all. But it still just seems to go too far. Yeah, that's a trap that writers can fall into, right? They want you to dislike this person, but they still indulge in their own kind of gross stuff, you know, to get there. And, and, and it's still 
it's not the oh he's a bad guy but like you're still the writer you're still in control of the character so you don't have to make him that scummy um you don't have to highlight behavior like that yeah he is um i'll use a word that'll make beth uncomfortable he's very sensual and um he uh he's it's it's but you're right he is um he's just a horny dude um and and he's a, a sexual predator and he totally fucked that robot we're talking of course about gurry his um is basically his lmd um that is a uh it's a a, blo- a smoking hot blonde killer assassin robot that's one of a kind ah the 90s yeah <laughs> yeah so his his uh killer fembot <laughs> yes she's a fembot that's absolutely correct um and we'll we'll talk about her a little bit later when we get to the comics and it's uh, but it it is very clear. I mean, you know, Ryan, I mean, we read an article today about this where this was partially their attempt to make Star Wars grow up a little bit yeah. um, to make it a little darker and a little dirtier. What's funny is I find it to be a little grittier, but also a little not uh, also a little, I don't know, uh, boring at the same time. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't seem to hit that level that they're looking for. You know, well, we talked about earlier, you know, if you, if you would want to see this turned into a movie. I mean, can you imagine on the screen seeing a six foot tall reptilian creature who's turning colors try to date rape Leia? <laughs> like, yeah, the theater I, would I empty. Yeah, I don't think I need to see that. But to be fair, she did kick him in the nuts, so it all worked out. Yeah. Of- uh, well, yeah. Well, I guess it's a good time to talk about it, though. That isn't what it was supposed to yeah. be. Um, <laughs> In the initial notes from Bantham and Lucasfilm. So originally... Yeah, originally, Bantham and Lucasfilm, Leia was supposed to sleep with Zeor. Like, that Zeor. Then that scene Zizor. was going to end. you'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've said Prince Zeor since I was, what, 15, 16? <laughs> like, I'm That's not going to bring it now. Thanks for noticing me. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah she- sleep with him which is real gross yeah and thank goodness perry fought and got it changed he did he did he did there's there's another i think insidious aspect to the leia and skis or stuff though it's this you know she she you know you know you can okay he's got these pheromones that's a real thing in nature pheromones right and so and, and it's been used in science fiction before but her entire being in this book, and, and listen, Leia's a badass. She's always a badass. It's impossible to write her where she's not a badass in some way. But her, she has an her entire inner turmoil is not cheating on Han. <laughs> like her whole thing is there's such a there's such a like almost I don't know it, it feels out of her character for it, it's completely in character her for her to want to go save him. It just feels out of character for her to be like, oh, my God, but I love Han. I couldn't possibly be attracted to another man. It just doesn't feel very Leia-like. Um, yeah. So that also felt awkward to me that, like, yeah. she was already – like, they said I love you once, and she's already, you know, putting a ring on it. Um, and that didn't – right. I think it's awkward that her internal monologue, she calls herself sister. It's so weird. Yes. She, oh, I don't think I got has, that. Has this guy written women before? <laughs> Like when she's talking to herself, she's like, "You need to get out of his room, sister." <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Beth, I think your answer is he's probably written a uh, very broad, stereotypical minority women because that <laughs> that sounds like. <laughs> oh, 
That's insane. I didn't. I didn't catch that. Um, I was listening to it in the car. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't catch that. I thought that would have been funny. Um, it, this, you know, to to get to the greater plot as it was. Um, I'm not a big fan of this trend in Star Wars of the the good guys having a plan and accomplishing it, and then only to find out that the bad guys let them. It happens right? a lot. It happens a lot. It, ha- it it's a it was a by bi- it's one of the reasons why I don't have good memories of the Force Unleashed that some people do because that game presupposes that the rebellion was started by the Emperor. That's the plot of that game. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. And the Emperor started the rebellion in order to you know so that he would have something to fight against and that the 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 you know that the uh, was his name Galen whatever his name is Starkiller starts their alliance. And that infuriated me when I saw played that game. The game's fun, whatever, but that infuriated me. And the and, and this kind of has the same thing. Now we know in Return of the Jedi that the Emperor knows the fleet's coming there. It's all part of his master plan. But in this, the whole idea that they give away the fact that the Death Star is there in order to lure in the rebels, doesn't it just take away the heroism? You know, yeah. I, one of the problems. Screw uh, like, you, Boffins. <laughs> Yeah, or like even, you know, in Rogue One, there's it's not the same, but the fact that Galen Erso, they had to go back and say he built the flaw into the Death Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the heroes keep getting handed things. And uh, I don't think I pre- I don't think that's very successful storytelling, personally. I, I don't need ribbons tied on every single thing. So I, I don't need someone to explain how. The exhaust port was left open in the Death Star. I don't need every single... Robot Chicken, Robot chicken does it. I want to hear it. <laughs> I, yeah. I just don't need all of my little tiny loose ends tied up everywhere. So I, I don't need it all to be part of some big master plan. It can all just... Can't some stuff just happen? I'm okay with things being tied up. As long as it's cool, I have no problem learning the story about the Bothan spies if someone is inspired and comes up with a cool story about the Bothan spies. Right, but, but I, it, I don't want you to do it just to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what's odd is it's not even the Emperor's plan in this one. Like right. it takes away from the Emperor that this was old Prince Eor's plan all along, and kind of everybody else went along with it. I mean, this is a very kind of outdated version of Palpatine, would you say? Like the way he's presented in this isn't quite like he's presented in in later on. I don't know. He has vague disturbances in the Force feelings. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Where he, yeah, he, he, but he feels a little more. I don't know. There was something about it where he didn't feel as powerful. Um, no, I know he we're. Vader, like, neither one feel right but you know this was way before there were prequels so yeah yeah it just felt a little off model but yeah i mean that's not being fair again looking back you know well speaking of vader though this vader is it almost feels like they're getting into the more sympathetic vader vader's the hero of this book people went to vader is the hero of this book vader saves the day vader saves the day and, Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And I liked to, you know, I, I went back and forth whether I really liked that the healing himself 
I I have a note about that too. Part bothered <laughs> me too. Because on the one hand, all right, so he heals himself by being pissed off, and then he gets happy about it, and so the light side comes back in and he shrivels back up. Yes, every every time he smiles, he gets <laughs> physical pain. Yeah. I don't know. Are you saying that's a little on the nose? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Yeah. it's on the nose and it's almost backwards. It's absolutely backwards. I think it would be so much more interesting if he was basically experimenting with letting a little light in and like healing his hand or something and being like, well, damn, like if I do turn back, I could heal myself. Like, I think that's a more interesting thing than what he was doing. No, I, I, I agree. I thought that was. The Vader stuff. I said I like the fact that he kind of part of me liked the setup of now I didn't believe for a second that Palpatine would let Skizor into that meeting at the beginning, or that Skizor would know that Vader was Anakin. Apparently that's common knowledge in the expanded universe. I don't remember that. Uh, I guess it was. Nope. And so the idea but however, the idea that in order to mess with Vader he would try to take out Luke. I thought it was fine. I thought that was interesting. Eh. And, and it sets up Luke. It sets up Vader at the end to basically have to be the cavalry to come in and save Luke from getting killed. Well, I liked I, the Emperor at the end was like, yeah, you know what? Even if we had killed him, it just would have proved he wasn't worthy enough. So yeah. what does it matter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, that's a good bad guy logic, I so, guess. So yeah. the whole story didn't matter. The end. Well, and that's that's part of the problem. That's why I mentioned it in my synopsis. Story doesn't really matter, does it? Like, it doesn't change anything. It just explains some stuff. Yeah. yeah. And well, that's the danger of these books, being in yeah. between the movies. Like, you can't have anything go crazy because you're riding yourself into a corner. See, the first question I wrote down was, is Dash Rengar the original Ahsoka Tano? Meaning that she was that a character introduced in between movies that people were like, yeah, but they weren't in the next movie. Because I remember because when Dash was going to be this like big character, I remember thinking, yeah, but he's not Return of the Jedi. And so they had to solve that at the end of this um, in a very, very poorly handled moment. (laughs) People can't just vanish. Come on. (laughs) Spoilers for other media. When um, when the when the red wedding happened in the books, I had to read it three times because I had no idea what was going on. But that's because I was stunned. But when Jon Snow died, I had to reread it several times because I thought it was kind of vague and weird. There's a reason. Turns out, I remember as a kid reading this, and as a kid, I mean college, <laughs> but as a kid reading <laughs> this, that I had no idea what had just happened when Dash quote unquote died. It was so, like, it happens in a sentence. It happens off screen. And I know that ends up being part of the point, but it's so weird, isn't it? But it's in the video game. Yes. And that's one of the weird things about Shadows of the Empire is major, you know, whereas some, like, spinoff media, yeah, they tell a little piece of the story that's not important, you know, in a comic book. There's parts of the video game and the comics that are very important to the rest of the story, and you've got to get them all together to see the full thing. And what's weird about the video game, the stuff with Dash Rendar, 
you only see it if you play on medium and hard. It is not there if you play that game on easy. Oh, so I missed some stuff. Yeah, it's just the end. Oh, just the uh, end. Oh, okay. Yeah, you get there anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Anyway, it's fine. Yeah, if you are um, play on easy, it ends with I think it's the Lay and Luke conversation. Um, if you play on medium or hard, you see that Dash survived with uh, Lebo. So yeah, yeah. It, it I, what what it feels like it was they came up with one big story and then they they cut it up into slices. Uh-huh. Right, and and in order to get the full story, you do have to kind of you have to experience all the slices. Right. Even though they overlap at time at times, um, and, and they do tell the same story at certain times. But but yes, they are kind of, and, and that's one of the things I kind of appreciated about it was it was this kind of big multimedia thing that you could uh, experience from different angles. You know, you can dip, you know, uh, you can experience from different point of view. Um, you can you can uh, pick and choose, but it's still I don't know. I, I appreciate that aspect of it. Um, I own the score. Um, I've listened to it many times kind of in the background. It's not bad. Um, I played the game. Uh, there were toys. Um, so, but before we get too much into the other media, um, uh, we'll 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 pretty much wrap up the book because it seems like we're kind of on the same page in the book. Like, it's fine. Like, it's not fine. It's bad. But <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Um, there's a lot about it I appreciate, but I'm a sucker for Star Wars, so I can always find something Star Wars I like. Uh, for people who need to know, I like every Star Wars movie to one degree or another, but there's none of them that I hate, except for the middle hour of Attack of the Clones. Pretty rough. But the and and, and even the bad Star Wars books I tend to enjoy. But this one is uh, it wasn't as good. I I never I never I never remembered it. I didn't remember it fondly, but I remembered it better than this. <laughs> I remembered it was a little better than this. Maybe I just love the Outrider. <laughs> Ryan, did you have an Outrider? I did. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Outrider's great. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so I don't know. I, there's not much more to say. I think it's. I don't know, Beth. You didn't like it, right? I did not care for it. Uh, right. Overall, I I felt like a lot of books from this time period. And not just books uh, written in the 90s, but books, any book that takes place during the original trilogy, unless you're introducing a whole lot of new stuff, new characters, new people, new ideas, new things, the stakes aren't high. Like, yes. I know I know how many characters are going to walk away at the end, and it's going to be everybody who's in the next movie. They're all going to live. Nobody's dying. So unless you're doing something where you're introducing a whole lot of new stuff and ideas and people, the stakes aren't high enough for me to really get that involved. And this book was not well written enough and the new characters were not interesting enough for me to get behind it. But it's still Star Wars, so I'm still not sad I read it. Excluding Jix, of course. Yeah. Don't Jix. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Jix is like I, I. One of the notes I wrote down is are the are da are Dash and Jix and Schizo are like the original Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. <laughs> but that'll come more into focus than the other stuff. Yeah. Um. So Ryan, what did you walk away with after reading it again after probably what twenty five years? Yeah. I mean, I think I was the same way. I remember this being better. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I remember it not being great. 
but I don't remember it being this bad. <laughs> like, and I wonder too, like, and not to get back into that conversation again, but looking through the lens of how old I am now and I mean, really how society looks at things now, like yep. did that Leia stuff read different back then? I mean, I'm sure it did no matter how creepy it is, but yeah. it, it's, you're right. It, you know, it, it hasn't aged well to use those yeah. words. It just hasn't aged well. It hasn't, you know, no matter what you think of the quality, but the substance of it has not, hasn't, hasn't aged well. It just hasn't. It, it's no, it's not, it is what we now call problematic, you know? Yeah. And, and it, and it, I, I don't think it can necessarily be blamed on the author or anything particular. It's, it is a, it is a feature of its time. It is a, it is a, a product of, of that time period. If you go back and read the comics of this time period, they're pretty similar. Um, you know, a lot of it has been made about the fact that this is basically just an image comic in Star Wars. Yeah. And, I don't know. I so I can't judge it on that, but I will say that it does make it less enjoyable or almost unenjoyable. Yeah. Well, and, and here's something I was going to bring up earlier, actually, during the news, but it goes along with this, and I think is interesting. So every year, Hasbro has a contest, a fan vote of a figure to bring back. Um, they don't really have control over which ones get into the final vote, you know, of those ten. And so this year, one of them that got in is Slave Leia. Uh, you know, it's pretty well known that Disney has cut all merchandise with that. Um, and so what's interesting is Hasbro included her in the poll, but she is now known as Hut Slayer Leia. (laughs) That's an official thing. Like, and so stuff like that, I think really like ties into how we look at this book. It does. It's just not well. A lot well, Hot Slayer I'm fine with too because that also ties into the book Bloodline, so I'm I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, and it I, makes her more badass. And I'm not know. one to get all super feminist PC. Chad, you're probably more of a feminist than oh, I yeah, am. Oh yeah, that's, that's my job. That's my. <laughs> I know, but yeah, it's even I was creeped out. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, Beth, one of the things tougher, that so people know Beth is tougher than me and Ryan combined. That's true. And um, I don't know and, about and, that. And Beth is creeped out. One of the things that creeps me out about this, and it's totally just one of those weird things, Prince Zior's carpet is ankle high. Like, she was talking about yeah, it. It was like ankle carpet, and I was like, oh, that's great. I kept, I kept waiting for it to eat somebody. <laughs> turns out turns out it's an alien species. It's a carpet yeah. species. It, it, was, it was probably being centrally massaged by her feet. Yes. How do you vacuum that? <laughs> uh, I, I'm just sitting there as a homeowner going, how do you vacuum that? That's gross. Um, yeah, no, it said it has not, it has not, it has not aged well over time. I have fond memories of the entire event. I yeah. was the entire, but this book doesn't quite hold up. So, uh, like any other big Star Wars multimedia event, there was also a comic too. In fact, um, published by Dark Horse, uh, The Shadows of the Empire comic, written by John Wagner and drawn by. Killian Plunkett, it looks like, um, with uh, some of these covers by Christopher Moeller, uh, came out as a six-issue series. And normally you'd see something like this, and it would just be an adaptation of the uh, book. But Ryan, is it? No, which makes no. it so weird. Like, kind of cool. It's, yeah, it's partial adaptation of the book. So sometimes you're seeing stuff from the book, 
And then a lot of the times you're following Fett with Han and Carbonite and kind of what takes him so long to get there and kind of how he weaves into the book at various parts. And then we also get Jix. <laughs> the- <laughs> Did you read the comics yet? Did you read the comics? I have not read the comics yet. <laughs> Oh, you're missing out on all the jicks. I, I read about so the much, comics, but I did not have time to read the comics. So much jicks. Oh. Uh, now, now, one interesting tidbit I thought um, that I remembered was that the, the moment where um, Boba's trying to take Han to Tatooine and he's accosted by IG-88, mm-hmm. that story actually was from the a Star Wars source book for the West End Games role-playing game in the 1980s. They used to write, because I used to play that game actually up until a few years ago, and they, and I have all the source books, including my Shadows of the Empire source book, which I forgot to get out for this, but they, uh, but they, but they would put little, amongst all the stats for stormtroopers and stuff, they would put little stories, and they had a story that was about that moment, about Boba being attacked by IG-8, taking Han's thing, and that became canon. And so, actually, when it's in the comic book here, it was written into it because it was already canon. Um, so I thought that was interesting. That's where that came from. That's not an original idea. So they took that and kind of ran with it, so that every damn bounty hunter in the galaxy, <laughs> yeah, has to come and steal Han. I mean, that reward must be huge. Yeah. One good thing the comics gives us, though, is we get. The visual of all the 90s of Shadows of the Empire. And they hit it all. Like, Dash Rendar's got giant shoulder pads. Luke has got a vest with a whole bunch of pouches on a belt. (laughs) (laughs) Chewbacca gets a cybernetic eye thing for a little while. Chewbacca basically gets a flat top. Yeah, when he's Shuva the bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just it, terrible. You do get some visuals. I did find it interesting. You do get some visuals to go along with the book. Um, yeah. So that actually helped a little bit. Um, it like, helped oh, da- with Gurry. Yes. Yeah. And also, like, hey, Dash looks like as big of a douche in the comic as I thought he did in the book. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's very. Uh, I, I I like these. Um, not this particular one, but I like this idea. I like this weaving in and out of the plot, um, telling telling the parts that you that, that are unseen. As long as those things are interesting, I'm a big fan of of storytelling like that. Um, I thought the comic was fine. I didn't hate it, but it was except for Jax. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, we're we're picking on Jix a lot, but that's only because he's useless and stupid. Like. <laughs> And I, mean, I, I don't know about. I mean, I think we're fending Beth. Like, is were you in the Jix fan club? Do you uh, remember who? We, I had no, to look him up. I no idea what you guys are talking about. Uh, Jix is Vader's. Um, he's like an intelligent. He's the guy that Vader sends in to spy with the Swoop Gang. Yeah. Oh yes. Okay. I didn't know he had a name. Yeah, his name is Jix. Um, he doesn't wear a shirt. J I X. No, he does not wear a shirt. <laughs> That's my favorite. Is he goes saying shirt, just vest. And the comic, and the comic, there was such a huge part, a huge storyline in it is him infiltrating Jabba's organization. Yeah, and it's real dumb. By the way, his real name, his full name is 
Renga Jixta. <laughs> Better known as Jix. He's Karelian. Um because why not? Uh, but yes, he does. He does know, even his Wikipedia page is him like with his shirt open with no thing. And he's got like swoop goggles around his neck. And he looks like a kind of pissed off Fabio. Um, yeah. it's, he's super hot. But um, uh, so there's a lot of jicks and there's a lot of boba in it. Um, oh, I, I, I do remember being excited originally in, with seeing Beggar's Canyon for the first time. I think that was the first time we saw Beggar's Canyon was in Shadows. Yeah. Of Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I just looked up a picture of Jix. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's sexy, huh? Yeah, he's got a ponytail. Yeah. He's sweet. Yeah, yeah he's sweet. He's so early nineties. He really so, is. Oh, he's 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 amazing. I love him so much. Um again, this was then this was Star Wars going edgy. Was the yeah. you know this Star Wars is turned to the you know let's get let's get PG thirteen with it and um and you know they didn't really get PG thirteen until Anakin started killing children um so so the eh, comic wasn't great but there was a fall oh and and by the way the leader of the swoop gang I just had to point out his name was Big Giz oh, yeah Big Giz who's <laughs> also Big, really stupid G I Z Z Big Giz like. You know, it, it's real close to being dirty. So, um, so there was a sequel comic book uh, uh, called what, Shadows of the Empire Evolution, uh, and this one was written by Steve Barry, mm-hmm. who wrote the novel, who wanted to write the story because Gurry, uh, his two original characters in the story, I think, were Gurry and Caesar, the ones he created, um, or at least the two big ones he created. Now, once. Once they got a hold of them, they changed them, but those were his ideas. And so what Shadows of the Empire Evolution actually takes place after Return of the Jedi. And it's a and it makes the monumental mistake of thinking I give a shit about Guri. Because <laughs> the whole book is about Guri. You know, it felt like they were expecting her to be this breakout character. And it just did not happen. No, um, none of them did. Skizor kind of did, but they killed him off, so it didn't, you know. But like Skizor could have been at least he lasted a little bit as far as in people's memories. Yeah. Wait, they wanted the robot to be a main character. They made a comic about the robot. Yeah. The second comic is all about Gurry trying to get out, trying to I, like. Get 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 out! Two shits about her. (laughs) Yeah, she she wants to erase her memory so that she cannot be an assassin droid anymore. And uh, Prince Shizor's niece, who wants to take over, is trying to hunt her down to get her secrets since they all got blown up in the castle. Um, How how deeply uninteresting! Yeah, but it does end with Dash coming in and seeing her and they kind of it leaves on a cliffhanger like oh where is dash and gurry going and the answer, the answer is the answer is nobody cares oblivion <laughs> shelf um, yeah. yeah because again we say this is 1996 the star wars or the, the disney sale isn't is what 2005 2004 no i mean 2014 2015 right 2014 
was the sale, mm-hmm. right? And so they were canon for 20 years. I mean, the Outrider was put into the special editions. They yes. were banking on this, I think, doing better, and these characters catching on a little more than they did. So becoming punchlines. I mean, Dash is a punchline. Yeah, um, he really is. I think it's, I think she's always remembered a little better. Uh, just as like, yeah, he was fine. Um, but those are people who haven't gone back and read the date rape stuff. But, um, but yeah, no bad. Evolution is just about Guri. She is the lead character. The whole story is about whether or not she's going to get out, and she's got memories in her head that could bring down empires and stuff. But she doesn't want any part of it. I don't. You don't care about it one bit. There are there are, there are, there are a lot of shots of her looking hot. Yeah. It's well, very, I mean, that's all she is in the book is a hot robot. Yeah, but this time, but this time they get to draw our curves, okay. and they do again, very nineties. <laughs> yeah, it's, her costume mysteriously gets ripped several times. <laughs> now, what do y'all think? Like for me though, like her being a what do they call her? A HRD, and that what it is? Human replicant droid or something? Mm-hmm. That does not fit into Star Wars for me, and it bothered nope. me. Like. Yeah. That is much liked. more Star Trek, Blade Runner, whatever. Like, yeah, it's very Blade Runner. It's very Blade Runner. It's very Terminator. Yeah. If something like that existed in the Star Wars universe, she would not be the only one in the entire galaxy. The rest of the droids would not look so primitive. R2-D2 wouldn't be a rolling trash can. Well, they say she's the only one that's a killer. There are others that are hospitality bots. Or are they? Let's let's go. Are they hooker bots? Are they love bots? Oh, I'm sure in the Shadows of the Empire world they are. I think think, because they say they're like I think they're supposed to be love bots, and she's just a love bot that can kill people. Again, going back to their though, and not not because of the love bot thing, but because that is not in Star Wars. I agree. I agree. I mean, that's a problem some people have with the reboot of uh, Battlestar Galactica, but it also, to me, it ended up being what made it interesting. But I'll agree with that. I do agree with that. But you're right. It doesn't fit in Star Wars. This kind of completely synthetic life form storyline belongs on Picard um, or something like that. Uh-huh. But, it, you know, in, 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 in evolution, it feels a little forced that we're supposed to care about this. All of a sudden it becomes Blade Runner for a few pages, you know, where it's talking about this this life form. Tra- you know, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I just got done watching Clone Wars where like four droids got popped in the face and it was hysterical. So like I, I just don't I don't care about her. And uh and, and, and when I opened the book, um there I got on Comicology they have a um an omnibus the omnibus that has Shadows of the Empire, Mara Jade by the Emperor's hand, and Shadows of the Empire Evolution in one omnibus. Mm. And so I read that. And as soon as evolution started, I was like, "Ah, oh, that's right. This is about Gurry." <laughs> oh crap! Yeah. But it's got everybody else on the cover, and they're in it. But it's the story of Gurry. So it, I, I, of all these, this is the one I uh, sadly least recommend um, for people because it's just it, 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 it has no point. It, it it just makes the mistake in thinking we cared about Gurry. And 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 we don't. Yeah. Um, well, and what I never understood about Gary in the book is that you know this big finale at the end where Luke won't kill her, and basically she kind of 
makes this, oh, I just want to be free kind of thing is not foreshadowed in the rest of the book at all. <laughs> like nope. It's never brought up. No, nope, yeah. he is <laughs> happily doing whatever he wants the entire rest of the book. <laughs> yeah. And then and all he, of a sudden... She's the one who wants to kill Leia rather than capture her. I, I just She wants that. to kill all of them. It's her <laughs> idea. Yep. Shizor has to tell her, hey, don't kill all these guys. <laughs> hey... She's inconsistent. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. She doesn't quite work. Um, so, Beth, you tried it out. What were your impressions of the N64 game Shadows of the Empire? I I have already said that I cannot go back and tie up the legs of another AT-AT again. I just can't keep doing could, it. Could you do it in VR? I could do it in VR. That'd be dope. <sighs> I guess. But, you that- know, my my favorite video games with hot levels are the very, very few that don't make you do the tow cable thing. And I think there were only a couple of arcade games that let you get by with it. But this is one of the first mainstream, game, mainstream games where you do the tow cable. Like, this is where it comes from. I know, so, but it's so frustrating. On the Atari. I, I remember when Rogue Squadron came out, and I was just like, shit, I have to do this again. Yeah. And the game yeah, just kept coming. I remember Empire Strikes Back on the Atari 2600, and uh, there was nothing like that. You just shot blocks. Okay, well, I don't, I don't remember the blocks. <laughs> The blocks didn't leave a big impression on me. It was an AT-AT, but you had to aim for a little part of the AT-AT, and you were I, shooting at that. So. You know, I liked the arcade games where somebody else took down the legs with the tow cable, and all you had to do was fly by and shoot it in the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me more of that. Um, I didn't get a chance to replay the whole game, and obviously I don't remember playing it 20-something years ago. So I watched some videos of it, and the parts that came back to me were like, oh, yeah, I remember this being really annoying in this part. And, oh, yeah, that was really obnoxious, too. It, you know, it it wasn't the greatest game. I also still just don't think maybe I cared about Dash Rendar and his story enough to really get into the game. I'm going to finish replaying it, but... You know, because I'm I'm a completionist anyway. So if I start something, I'm gonna finish it. But I am not uh, I am not thoroughly engaged in my replay after 25 years. How, how would you How would you describe the game, Ryan? Like, what is it? So the game is a mix. Um, it's kind of separated into four different kind of acts stories that follow along with either scenes from the book or happens before, you know, the first level is Hoth um, and you get that driving a snow speeder and then you move to the third person. The majority of the game is third person and you can choose. Well, you can actually go to first person with the camera, but it's easier yeah. to play third person. Like a, it's um, like a third person action, third person yeah. shooter kind of, or venture maybe. Yeah. You know, it's very doom-esque, I guess, for the time. Um, yeah. It, I will say the Hoth level, for me, I have such fond memories of this game because I didn't have a computer or anything, so I had never played uh, X-Wing or TIE Fighter. Oh, yeah. And so this is the first time I flew in 3D. 
And I remember being blown away about like, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing ever. I mean, playing it now, the level takes like five minutes. It's crazy how short it is. I don't know how many times I played it. Um, you know, the game's fine. Apparently it plays. I've never played it on the PC. Apparently the cutscenes are a little better on the PC. Um, but you fly, like I said, the snow speeder. You fly the Outrider. You fly a swoop bike, which is god-awful hard. Um, yeah. I kind of like we said earlier, the game actually extends the book a little bit in that it's not Vader that blows up the skyhook. It's Rindar, like Dash. Like that's the final level as you fly through the skyhook and blow it up. Um, it's one of those things that's in a game you have to consider non-canon. You know, like, yeah. like where it's it works in the game and you have to be like, they had to put that in there for the game. Uh, yeah. yeah. The Hoth level is really interesting because it exists outside the rest of the story of Shadows of the Empire. I mean, it lets Han be in it for a minute, and I guess kind of serves to set up Dash. But a lot of it, or parts of it, is taken from that deleted scene in Empire with the Wampas being held in these rooms. And, you know, in the deleted scene, C-3PO pulls the sticker down that says, don't let the Wampas out, and they get out. Um, but yeah. in this game, you can let the Wampas out. <laughs> and there are wampas everywhere. Yeah, they're so hard to kill. They are a pain. The more you think um, about it, it, was just was just this. But between this and the lightsaber, is just this. Is this just them using a bunch of scraps, like you know, deleted scenes, like the wampas or like the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. These just like little ideas here and there and scraps, and they just all you know, like well, let's use all this stuff. And or were they supposed to be Easter eggs? Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I think they were supposed to be Easter eggs because, you know, at that point, what this is, they made the game in 94. Yeah. I mean, really, the only people that knew about the Wampa scene in 94 are hardcore fans. You know, there's yeah. no Internet to pump no. that around. And there's footage of it, I think, somewhere you can see part of it. But it's it's I, I think there's like. There's definitely stills from it out there. Yeah. And there's, I think there's stuff in some of the making of documentaries um, that were around at the time. Yeah. Um, there was there was a Star Wars CD-ROM that came out in the 90s, and I don't know if it was before, before or after this, but it was like an encyclopedia on a CD-ROM, um, which makes me sound really old just saying it. But <laughs> it was a Star Wars encyclopedia on a CD-ROM, but what's notable about it is it had deleted scenes, including it had the Biggs and Luke scene ah. at the Tashi station. And that's why I bought it. Plus, it was a big Star Wars encyclopedia. But um, and, uh, and so so that was out there. But you're right. You had to be real deep in it to even know what that, yeah. was, what that was about. And I think it allowed them – I mean from a game, I think it makes sense. Start the game, especially if you're going to play with somebody you don't know, a character you don't know. Start the game in a familiar location with familiar stuff, ease people into it, and then get going on all this expanded stuff. Um, you know, the game itself, it's – the aiming system is a pain in the ass. It never aims where you want it to. Um it's a lot shorter than I remember, but man, I remember where every challenge coin was once I started playing it. Um, it originally was supposed to be a launch title for the N64, and when people showed it, they showed what I guess they thought was going to be the finished game, and there was a 
bunch of backlash. Um, and so it got delayed until Christmas. So it comes out later than the big launch of the book and all that. Originally, everything was supposed to be launched at once, and they had to push the game back to like – it was like mid-December when it came out, like kind of late for Christmas. Right. Yeah. And it just – I mean I, I haven't played it in a long time, but I did for this. I did watch a playthrough, and um, well, I, I skimmed through a playthrough to be honest. But <laughs> uh, I mean it was like a two-hour thing. I wasn't going to sit there. But um, uh, it, it struck me as a very a very 1996 game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it just – you know, I, I see that it came out in November of 96, it says. Uh, Resident America. Yeah. <laughs> but it just – I don't. Uh, I was never. I was n- never a big N64 guy, and uh, it was. I, I was too busy playing Tie Fighter on my computer because I, I, I love Tie to this day. I mean, I, I love Tie Fighter is still my favorite, pretty much my favorite video game of all time, and um, it, so I don't have as fond memories of it. But I, I do remember. It is funny in the book. There's one line where Lando says, uh, "Well, Dash did really did 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 really well at the Battle of Hoth." And you're like, that's one sentence to set up the entire game. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, they might as well put a hyperlink in it so you could click on it and it would sell you the game. You know? You'd like yeah, to I, see what this means. I didn't have a computer at the time either. So it was, I mean, I'd only ever played consoles except maybe like a little Doom here and there or something when I still lived at my parents' house. But I, I always had consoles. So this was, besides, uh, this was the first like modern era of the time video game I played of Star Wars other than like the Super Nintendo stuff. Well, what was Rogue Squadron? It was like like less than a year later. No, Rogue Squadron oh? earlier than that. Was it? Yeah, let me look it up. Yeah. I swear it was like 98. I loved that game. <laughs> Except for the Hoth level. You see, I didn't like that. The reason I didn't like that game is because I was so used to X-Wing and TIE Fighter, which were in-depth simulators. Uh, oh, you're right. It, it was 98. Hmm. Yeah, that when that when that came out, it felt um, it felt too arcadey for me at the time because I was I was like tweaking knobs and moving my power around on my shields yeah, you were. and stuff <laughs> and like you know and then you know divert power to this shield and 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 moving power from the engines into there and trying to take down Lambda class shuttles which were a pain because they had guns in the back that would shoot back at you which was a pain in the ass. Uh, so, so when I played the the um, the the one for the console, I was like, eh, it's fine. It's kind of like an arcade. It looked nice though. It was a CD-ROM game, right? Mm-hmm. It was the first one of the first big CD-ROM console games, I think, um, early on. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a classic, but it's it's a it's a remembered game. I think it's probably more remembered than anything else from this. Oh, I agree. And at yeah. one point, you fight Slave One, <laughs> like. Yeah, Dash Rendar fights a shit. <laughs> well, you fight, and, and and it does that thing that that bothered me was when you get to the end and it starts making up bosses. Yeah, like you get to this big boss at the end called a gladiator, I think. Uh huh. And it's just a big robot, and you're like, that doesn't look Star Wars at all. <laughs> One of the other good ones is you fight the uh oh, what's the trash compactor monster? The dough. Yeah. So you fight that in the game, and it's like this big thing, and it's like this big deal. Whereas in the book, it's like a snake with an eyeball on it. (laughs) In the book, Luke just like cuts its head off and then stabs it. It's over. It's in the comic too. That's one thing that crosses over to all of them. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's one panel in the comic. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, that's a Dinoga. I know those stupid things. <laughs> and then like, yeah, and then it's a whole level. But that's, I mean, games have to do that. They have to find the way to, you know, stretch those things out and create levels. They can know? find better ways, but you know, it's 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 fine. So. With Shadows, there was also a children's novelization of it, which I'm guessing was slightly less rapey, but I haven't read it. You never know. It was God, the I 90s. So. Um, it was the 90s, so so who knows, um, for the junior novelization. Now, there was a score. Uh, Joel McNeely, who's an Emmy winner, uh, I believe he had done he had done work on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And uh, so he was hired to come on. And he basically what he did was he created a score for the movie that didn't exist. Um, and, uh, I've always enjoyed it as kind of, it, w- it was kind of an oddity for a while because it was a Star Wars score not done by John Williams. It was a full orchestra, you know, 96 piece orchestra, 150, uh, a member choir. It was a, it was a full on score. Oh, one thing I'd like to point out, Shadows of the Empire does have a pretty bitchin' cover by, uh, Drew Struzan. Drew Struzan painted the cover for Shadows of the Empire, the key art. Um, and he's of course a classic. Uh, guy but um so the score is what it is it's it's a it's an oddity in a way like it it's a score that doesn't have anything to go with because it's not like you can read it along with the book right i mean you can but it's not going to match up yeah you know and one of the things that makes star wars scores listenable to us even mandalorian rebels things like that is that they the music's good but they also invoke images Ennis, you know, you, I don't know about you guys. You can't listen to a piece of, like, especially original trilogy score and not be playing the movie in your head at least a little bit. Right. right? It, it, the images there. come to you. This doesn't have that at all. <laughs> it's just a dislocated piece of Star Wars music. And it's fine. Now, no big Star Wars movie release, even without the movie, would be complete without toys. So, Ryan, this is more your purview. What what are there toys for Shadows of the Empire? Yeah, they did um I think well, I think it was broken up into two waves. Um but yeah, they a year before they had the orange card and power of the force, the three and three quarter figures had come back. Um were, and so, figures were they selling at this point? Yes. Now you have to remember this is right when they first came back though. So these are the beefy ones that have like you have not like bodybuilder Luke and Chewbacca all of a sudden has big monkey Leia. Monkey yeah, Leia. monkey Leia. Yeah. They're they're bad toys. Yeah. Um but Shadows of the Empire came out. They did a couple of two packs and some single releases. Um hit kind of you know the big dash Prince or um, Luke and the Imperial Security IG-88 Vader, Leia um, you know they're fine for the time uh, you do get Chewbacca in his flat top you do uh, I, I wrote that down you get Punk Rock Chewie yep. they did a couple of vehicles so you can get um, the, the Outrider the Swoop that Swoop is a total piece of crap too it's a terrible yeah. toy um, I saw it at Boba versus IG-88 um, yep. with the comic with the comic. comic. And yeah, uh, they did two of those. So you could do the Boba IG-88 with the comic, and you could do the Vader Prince one with the comic. I actually think there was also another one that was uh, 
Skizor and uh, Sexy Leia. Her kind of her outfit with him. There was a Sexy Leia one too. I remember that one. Yeah, her, her word. It's very Indiana Jones. It's actually very Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Skizor makes her dress up in a, you know, uh, uh, another outfit. You know, kind of like he does with Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but I think there's that one. Uh, Punk Chewy, uh, Luke dressed up as an Imperial Guard because they couldn't come up with anything new to new to do, so they had him dressed up as a stormtrooper again. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. The Leia as Bausch. Uh. I mean, the Outrider was a good toy. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty sure you can still find Dash hanging in Target somewhere. You probably could at a Walgreens in the back. <laughs> at a at a Walgreens somewhere in, in in rural Oklahoma. Yep. There, there is a lonely dash runner hanging in the truck. <laughs> uh, what else did they do? Oh, they did release Slave One in a Shadows of the Empire box, um, and that one was actually kind of hard to find. Um, and I think actually holds its value a little bit if you've got it complete. But it's the exact same Slave One that was in the green box. Okay. Um, but they, you know, they changed the packaging. It had this kind of purple light going through it instead of green so it stood out on the shelf they pushed it um i remember the swoop did not sell that thing sat on pegs forever um but they're fine i think a lot of people kind of skipped them because especially if you know if you're a kid yeah you want want vader and luke you don't want dash rendar well and if you're a kid you hopefully didn't read this book right yeah that's another problem <laughs> yeah you're right yeah mom i want the rapey prince <laughs> yeah yeah i think i have all of the like ones that were sold individually uh-huh. um, i don't know if i have the comic ones but i've got the the skizor and the luke or at least i used to i don't know if i still have them but i had a dash um uh because he was probably a quarter but um it, it, it was it widely it, was it a successful toy line? Do we know? I'm well? trying to remember back. I don't think it yeah. did. Yeah. For some reason, I remember like back when I used to have to hunt, and uh, that was right in the middle of, you know, the figures were coming out a whole lot more. Um, yeah. So I was looking a lot, and I remember seeing these a lot, particularly like I said, Chewie and I think Dash. We would see a lot. Um, yeah. And then since it's the 90s, we had lots of micro-machines. Yeah, yeah. That was, was a big thing in Star Wars merch in the in the 90s was this micro-machines sets yeah. they would do. They were they were nice, by the way. They, they were, were really cool looking. They were really nice looking. They were. And I didn't buy any at the time, but, like, thinking back, like, I bet having all of these makes a really good display. I won a, I won a set of them. At Dragon Con, the year I won the uh, trivia contest, uh-huh. Dragon Con, I I, I won I won a set of the Star Wars micro machines, which were actually fairly expensive. But uh, yeah, I don't have them anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I I do remember the micro micro machines. Yeah, I mean I have something controversial to say as a, a child of the '80s, and I'll probably probably won't sit well with the big boss man. Star Wars toys haven't always been that great. Like, they're fine. Right. But like there's a lot of eras of Star Wars toys that are pretty bad. And that mid 90s, like those toys are not great. Like you said, the Outriders cool. You know, it's hard because that. That line is what got me back into, you know, restarting my toy collection. Yeah, I bought a lot. Um, of them. But God, they suck. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, those first couple of waves and they get better once you get 
to when the prequels are about to come back or when the prequels are going to come out, they start getting better. But yeah, some of that stuff from the, those initial red card waves and green card waves, they are not great. I think part of it is uh, I've gotten so hooked on the black series that three and three quarter inch just doesn't do it for me anymore. Oh, so, I know. Careful I where know. you say that on the internet. I, I, I know, I know, I know. And, and, and the, you know, this might be our last episode, but um, <laughs> they just don't do it for me anymore because I, of the lack of detail. And, um, in, 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 and I think during that time, especially I remember the being so hyped for the prequel toys and they were fine, but at the end of the day, they weren't because I'm not a kid. I want things to display you know, and I to me, the you know, Dave's collection is amazing of three and three quarters. It's incredible. Uh, There's some expanded universe things that he have in there that I'm totally jealous of. But uh, I guess I'm more into little statues. And that's what the six inches feel like to me. They feel more like right. statues. But uh, that's just my own thing. Um, So we've been talking a while because there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, So before we wrap it up, I'd like to ask what we asked last time when we talked about Plagius. Could this still be canon? Now, not do you want it to be, because I think I know the answer. <laughs> but <laughs> but could it still be? Is there anything in here that screws it up? I don't know really. This was Lucas approved. This was Lucas approved. This was created by Lucasfilm. This was meant to be a big chunk of the Star Wars saga. This was meant to be a new chapter in Star Wars that told us a story in between. It was official in every single way except being a movie. Could it still be in canon? When I was reading it, I was keeping an eye out for stuff, and I don't remember anything jumping out at me that was like, nope, that has to change. Right. Because it's it's so, I mean, it's in between stuff, so it's it's right. like people were being very careful. Is there any world details they mess up or anything or that have changed? I mean, to be fair, right now, well, not right now because Marvel has ceased printing comics, um, even digitally. But uh, in the Marvel comic, they are telling the story between Empire and Jedi. So I guess technically right now, Shadows of the Empire is being overwritten. Right. That's what I was going to say. Right now, it's being taken out. Being er- it's being erased. It's yeah. Like, like an eternal sunshine. It's, Dash Rengar is like running and the whole world behind him is fading out and collapsing. And he's just running, <laughs> trying to exist. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think – I think it probably – Still could be. I, I don't remember. I think there were bits and pieces in there. Right? Like I said, I think the characterization of Palpatine is a little out of sync. Yeah. Um, and but, but for the time period in which it was written, it's it's pretty on character. And he I'm not stays a, on. He stays on brand. He does. He does. Vader gets. To, Vader's a little more. Not talk. He doesn't get to talk back more, but he almost does. Vader oh. has a little more power. It feels like. Uh, but also, I, I felt the depiction of Coruscant was probably a little off. Yeah. But I, you can forgive that, having never seen it. Yeah, I was I was reading some part of it in there, and I was like, Imperial Center? What what the hell's an Imperial Center? Oh, they mean Coruscant. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't mind that. That's all, That was canon for a long time. I don't know if it's still I, is. I know. It just threw me because I'd forgotten that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I did like, you know, having Wedge. I think that it... I think it could be, but it. I don't think it can be <laughs> because of how gross it is. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't and I hate to come back to this. And I didn't. And I will say, I didn't suggest we talk about Shadows of the Empire to be negative. I didn't. Um, I suggest we talk about it because I thought it was an interesting time in Star Wars, and that it was an interesting experiment. But I can't 
pretend that going back and reading the book made me exceptionally excited. It didn't. Like, it was fascinating. Um, and like Ryan said, maybe we've just grown up. Maybe the world has grown up. Um, although certain things would tell us right now they ha- it hasn't. But, you know, because it, 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 and I hadn't thought about it until I read it this time and then read that article you sent me that, God, it has the 90s stink all over it. And I love the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I'm a kid of the 90s. You know, like I'm right. I'm writing out this pandemic, listening to Alice in Chains. And I mean, I'm, I'm good. Right. But like it's uh, it's just it's the worst parts of 90s pop culture. A lot of it. I'm curious to see if Marvel tries to put some of this stuff back. Someone is interested in Dash Rendar. I mean, they've like I said, they've mentioned him in a couple of books. He's in Rise of Skywalker, or at least the Outrider is like. Someone cares about Dash Rendar. Maybe he'll be in The Mandalorian, too. At this point, everyone is in The Mandalorian. Everybody's coming in The Mandalorian. Just yeah. have, open the door, bring them all in. I think they should fire everybody and just keep Tim Oliphant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 one thing I've noticed that I find really funny is maybe it's because we're such Star Wars super fans that we're trying really hard to be nice is when we don't quite like something, but we don't want to say it sucked. We say it's fine. Yeah. No, like, I yeah, all yeah, exactly. keep doing it. We're all just like, yeah, it was fine. fine, fine. No, I, I agree. It, it's hard because, like I said, I, I'm a sucker. I like anything Star Wars. Ryan will yeah. attest to that because I like The Last Jedi. So it's I, I like anything with Star Wars on it. So there's I still all this. I still enjoyed the book. Partially. But those sequence. Well, but those sequences that made it uncomfortable, those sequences that were scummy. That were and again, I anyone who knows me knows I don't I don't care about sex and violence and all that stuff on my media. I think it's you know all fair game. Um, but maybe there's a reason why Star Wars never dips into sex that much, you know. Um, in 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 it, it it's never it doesn't feel in place in Star Wars. I I I love the movie Solo, love it to death. Uh, I think maybe the sex jokes are the things that I think are a little out of place in it. And um. I, I don't know. So those parts were rough for me, but I can't help it. I said I was listening to the audiobook, so I hear TIE Fighters and I hear laser blasts and I'm still in it into it, you know? Um but it does it just doesn't I think you're right, Beth. The stakes aren't there's the stakes they make the stakes out to be huge, but they're just not. Yeah. We know they're not gonna find Han uh in this book because we've already seen the movie. This is thirteen years after the movie. And yeah, it just if it had come out again, it just just like if it had come out after Empire Strikes Back, we'd probably think this book was awesome. You know, like if it had come out and it was actually the bridge of, for the story back then for us, we might have a different feeling on it. But it doesn't seem to do much. <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of the story just kind of lies there and it, it ends up being a bunch of, you know, a bunch of noise. It serves very well as a time capsule for Star Wars, I think. Like, if I ever want, like, if somebody ever says, well, Disney, blah, 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 Disney's terrible, let me introduce you to Shadows of the Empire, and then you tell me how awful Disney is. Tell me Disney ruined Star Wars after <laughs> yeah. this. There's a handful of books. Yeah. There's a handful of books and comics I can show you um, to show you that it was already off. But most of those people saying that are people that have only just watched the movies. Um, 
uh, a lot of people. But um, all right. Well, I think that's that's enough. Um, like I said, we didn't need to be so negative about it, but uh, I got no hard feelings towards it. It's just, it I, just I didn't know it was going to be a negative conversation when I started reading the book. And then I started reading the book and went, oh, shit. Ne- to be honest, neither did we. Yeah. You can <laughs> like, only be so positive about reptilian rape. <laughs> I had forgotten it was there, and when I saw it was there, I went, oh, I remember it's this. Rough. This is bad. It's, it's, it's just rough, and um, it's – but I think it's – but I'll say this. I thought it was interesting to explore it again, and I like talking to you guys about it because I thought it was – again, like Ryan said, it's a time capsule, and it's an interesting time in Star Wars, and it was a big deal in Star yeah. Wars at the, t- at the time, and so it's – to me, it's something that's it's cool to talk about and remember, but uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite make it. Um, so, Ryan, what are we going to talk about next week that is not Shadows of the Empire? <laughs> what we are going to talk about next week is the Shadow Squadron. Um, Shadow Squadron is a Alphabet Squadron. Alphabet, not Shadow. Shadow is <laughs> Shadow Falls, the second book. It's coming. That's what made me think of it because I was trying to look up the new book. Alexander Alphabet Squadron. Alexander Freed, I believe, right? Yep. By Alexander Freed. Um, is in Disney canon. You know. Yeah, we're going back. Yeah. Uh, it is more harkening back to the old X Wing books. This is much more kind of space battle Star Wars versus Jedi and Sith. So we'll go from there and hopefully in time the sequel will come out in july so if you want to go ahead and start getting caught up on this one you'll be ready for the new one and also maybe if you want to i'm sure ryan and i have read it read the tie fighter comic yes goes along with it that kind of tells the other side of the story right Mm -hmm. a little bit so okay cool all right beth you want to take us well (laughs) <laughs> you can cut that thanks, part. thanks you guys for <laughs> jumping on tonight and thanks everybody for listening and we will talk to you all soon you have been listening to a needless things podcast you can follow needless things on facebook twitter instagram and at needless love you mean it uh-huh